Rippy Writes with Brian Scott Rippy. Transcript can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. What is up on a Friday? I am Brian Scott Rippy. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Rippy Writes Podcast. Today's guest is Graham Doty. He is the voice of the Ole Miss Rebels women's basketball team. Talk of the campus the last couple of days. We talked about their upset win in the round of 32 over Stanford. At the time, it was the first time since 2009 a one seed in the NCAA women's tournament had failed to reach the round, or excuse me, failed to reach the Sweet 16. Naturally, two nights later, Miami upsets one seed Indiana, and it has now happened twice in a couple of days. But be that as it may, we talked about the win, Coach Yo's rise, how she's built this program, which is really just a remarkable story. Uh, he's covered Ole Miss women's basketball, been the voice of the team for 12 years now. So he's seen the ups and downs of the program and a lot of really good insight into how this journey came to be and how far it can go. So really enjoyed Graham's time. Great guy to talk to. I really appreciate him coming on. Before we get to that, though, I wanted to remind you, podcast brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Well, glad you asked. They're the world's best gambling handicapping website. The inventors of the Skybox Matrix Interval, an advanced modeling mechanism that has helped propel skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry if you're in march madness and you're not using skybox you're probably having to pay out the bookie today don't recommend what i do recommend using skybox sports picks they're the only way to profit in the long run they hit well over 60 percent in college hoops every year it is their bread and butter that is the best strongest point of their algorithm you need to check them out just go online their march madness package is out on the site you can use it next weekend try to rebound for the sweet 16 just go on there snag it use the promo code rippy r-i-p-p-e-e and that'll give you 20 percent off you can use skybox for pretty much any sport you want to they've got um some nba playoff stuff coming up they will have they've got the nascar package on the site and then of course football season will be here before you know it check them out skyboxsportspicks.com Podcast is also brought to you by LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. If you're a Rippy Wright subscriber, that's rippywrights.substack.com. Get a free newsletter from me and discounted meats right now. It's three six-ounce bacon wrap fillets for 20 bucks. That's about a $40 valuation you're getting there for 20 bucks just for subscribing to a free newsletter. Just go in there, show Greg proof of subscription. He'll get you set up. Then go find all your own favorites. It's the best butcher shop in the world. All kinds of delicious cuts of meat. They got all kinds of sausages, fresh seafood. I like the tri-tips. Filet burgers are always a nice place to go, too. Check them out. Find your own favorites. LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. All right. Here is the voice of the Ole Miss women's basketball team, Graham Doty. All right. We now welcome on Graham Doty, the voice of the Ole Miss Rebels. A huge win over Stanford last night. Probably no one better to talk to. I imagine it's been a whirlwind of a... Uh, of a few hours, days or so, as you were kind of alluding to me before we hit the record button here. What's up, man? How are you? I appreciate you joining. I'm good. Thanks for having me. So, yeah, it's definitely been a crazy past few hours. But, I mean, it's it's something that uh, I think a lot of Ole Miss fans and, and all the players and coaches and staff will certainly remember for a very long time. We'll get into the game part of it a second. But you were there last night. Obviously, you were in the building and called the game what was that like from the final, you know, 10 minutes, fourth quarter, wherever you want to start to the end? Yo had a great um, presser on TV. I watched a decent bit of her presser in preparation for this podcast afterward. Just kind of take me, you know, behind the scenes of how everything unfolded last night and the reaction after. Sure. Uh, well, it's my first time out here. Like Ole Miss hasn't been out here since 1990, uh, at least for the women's basketball program. So Maples Pavilion, it's been at Stanford forever. Capacity is almost 7,500. 
And I mean, it was about that last night. I mean, it was, it was packed. And um, I mean, the atmosphere was fantastic. And the more the game went on, you could definitely get a sense uh, the Stanford fans it was like a little nervous energy. Um, I mean, you could definitely get a sense of that. I was curious, Stanford, their finals start today, actually. We're recording this on Monday, so the, the day after the game. So I was curious how many people, especially students, were going to show up. They were there. I mean, it was it was packed. And then their spring break is is in two weeks. So it was it, it was definitely uh a fun environment and I would say the last two minutes especially when when they tied it I think they tied it at 49 it was it was loud in there I mean it was it was one of the best environments we played in this season and then Ole Miss just made a couple of plays late especially defensively made some clutch free throws and that place was quiet when Ole Miss was was going crazy celebrating on the floor so I mean it was it was a fun night for sure You've watched a lot of uh, women's college basketball, obviously a ton of Ole Miss women's college basketball. And I know, you know, in the NCAA tournament, there's a lot of chalk, particularly in this tournament. And I think it's the first time since 2009 that a one seed hasn't made the Sweet 16, which is a long time. Kind of give me a sense of in a world where upsets are often scarce, like what was kind of the possibility meter leading in? Because I know Stanford was a little bit vulnerable, right? I don't think they won the conference uh, tournament or the regular season title, I'm not sure, but there it seemed like they were more vulnerable one seed heading into this. Kind of give me the belief level rationale going into this game. Um, I mean, I, I can tell you, yo, and the players and the staff, they were they were very confident. Um, no, like nobody was really tight or anything. Everybody was pretty loose. I mean, shoot around was loose, a lot of smiles. Um, laughing and everything. And um, I remember, I vividly remember at, at pregame or pregame meal uh, before we leave the hotel to go to the arena, uh, Jada Williams, our assistant coach, who I got to interview after the game, which was great. I mean, she stood up and said, tonight, I can't believe that we're going to be the number one seed on their own floor. And I mean, she like that's that was the confidence level. She spoke it into existence. And I mean, it was it was unbelievable and and um you know i didn't realize until after the game it's only the eighth time ever on the women's side where the one seed lost in the first or second round in the history of the tournament wow. so i mean it, it very very rarely happens and i mean it, I, i'm blessed to be a part of it last night i'll never forget it was coach yo different than in any point you've ever seen her last night i know she's she's one very captivating speaker i enjoy her press conference i was at the her introductory press conference and a couple others through the years but something last night seemed a little different i don't know if you thought the same was she any different to you uh i mean not really but i i guess the the difference was it was cool to see how emotional she was and how much it meant to her uh like after the game, uh, she was doing the TV interview and it was it she was about, I don't know, eight feet away from me. And I could tell like she was keeping it collected, you know, calm, cool, collected, trying not to be super emotional. And that interview was about almost three minutes. And then after she got through that, man, I'm talking like tears of joy like hands on her knees, bent over, tears were coming down and she was hugging everybody in sight uh like Keith Carter was on the floor I, like they hugged she hugged a lot of players coaches you name it um I mean it was it was a very cool moment very happy and excited for her 
Um, if you kind of brought it up a moment ago, but if, if anybody hasn't seen her post game press conference um, after the game, I would highly recommend uh, to watch it because she she is a dynamite speaker, and and you just get a sense of how much the players love her, the coaches, the staff. Uh, and I mean, it it was it was a very cool moment to see her and be a part of. But I mean, I can tell you with Coach O, like she's been wonderful to me since day one. And I mean, what you see is what you get. She is an incredible human being, and and Ole Miss is very lucky to have her. That was kind of the cool part about last night is like in sports and all this stuff, like these people we often think of them as robots because you know they're trained to do the press conference a certain way. And all of that. And I think one of the cool things about last night is it felt like she was like allowing it to be publicly known that she kind of realized a, a another kind of rung on the ladder or another level of the mountaintop. Because, look, if they had lost this game, they won an NCAA tournament game. There's absolutely no shame in you know getting to the round of 32 and bowing out. And they've had some good wins, particularly the last couple of years in this rise. But this was kind of like the the meteoric stamp for the lack of a better phrase of like, okay, we have arrived. Did that kind of feel like that to you last night in the way she spoke? Yeah, for sure. And, and I, I had this conversation with her. Uh, like we, we had a very tough schedule to close the regular season. We had, we played at LSU, um, South Carolina at home and then at Alabama um, LSU and South Carolina at the time, they were both in the top five. Alabama's an NCAA tournament team. Um, and LSU, South Carolina uh, didn't go our way. But, I mean, we were right there, especially with South Carolina. And I just remember talking to her and asking her, do you feel like when you get this first one, like do you feel that you're going to go over the hump and then they're just going to start to come after that. And she said, you know what? I I do like, we're right there. We just got to get this first one. And then I think we'll be off and running. And hopefully that'll be the case after this monster win at, at uh, Stanford last night. That week of the season that you just alluded to a second ago, it was February 16th and February 19th for the date of the two games. They go down to LSU and they're in the game to the very end. They ended up losing 69 to 60, but hey, it was a close game to the end. And then they turn around and play South Carolina that Sunday in the pavilion and take them to overtime. I tuned into the majority of that LSU game on that Thursday night and caught some of the South Carolina game, particularly overtime around the baseball game. And it's, it's two losses, but in a in a sport that can kind of, that can kind of lack some parity sometimes. They were right there in it with the defending national champion and a top five team with the Hall of Fame coach him Kim Mulkey. Despite that week and there being two losses on the schedule in an otherwise successful year, do you think that did anything for them from a belief standpoint? Because either one of those games could have gone a different way with a little more favorable whistle in Baton Rouge and then a couple uh, bounces the other way against South Carolina. I'm just curious if you noticed anything different about the team after those two games that week. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I guess it kind of turned out to be a blessing that we ended up playing those two teams back-to-back when we did at that point in the season. LSU was probably the most hostile environment that we played in. That The PMAC was packed. Uh, they switched the broadcast position, by the way. I mean, I was on the baseline with people all around me. I've never had people. Just a lovely view. That sounds yeah, awesome. I'm talking, I was behind the goal, like literally behind the goal. If, if somebody threw it in the corner on the other end of the floor, couldn't see the person at all. Um, 
that that environment at LSU was was crazy. And then I I really do think the turning point was that South Carolina game. Um, South Carolina, obviously defending national champs, only undefeated team this season in the country. Um, that game was tied at fifty five. Ole Miss had the ball with twenty seconds left or whatever it was. And I mean, kind of at that moment, it was like, man, we like we could actually you know, we could actually win this thing. And I think that's kind of when it uh, clicked and um, everybody kind of realized, all right, yeah, like we're, we're good and we can, we can play with anybody in the country. And uh, it was a tight turnaround too, because the the game at Bama, I mean, that, that wasn't a cakewalk. Uh, Ole Miss had to win that one to clinch the, the four seed and uh, get the double by and win it outright and literally won it on the last play in the game, a block shot. So yeah, that three-game stretch uh, really has benefited Ole Miss, especially in postseason play. Yo took over a program that was not in very good shape, and I think that would be putting it mildly. And this build to this moment was not easy. I mean, you go 9-22, and 22, year 1, 7-23. and 23. I think there was a game where they scored two points and a half against South Carolina – I mean, they were dealing with all kinds of stuff from – it seemed like in the beginning of our memory, just literally a lack of bodies. Like, they just didn't have enough players, not only from a depth standpoint, but obviously kind of SEC caliber players. What she's been able to accomplish in the way she's built this thing is nothing short of remarkable. And this is a broad question, but how did she do this? How did she build this given where she started in 2018, 2019, whatever that day was she took over the program to now? How did this happen? Bottom line is hard work, uh, but let let me go back. You kind of touched on it a little bit. Let me let's go down memory lane, shall we? Uh, Kermit Davis and Coach O were hired the same year. Yeah, everybody remembers. Like Ross was the athletic director at the time, uh, and the men's side for that coaching search, like it it took a minute. And they didn't even touch women's basketball at all because they wanted to focus on men's basketball. Um, so um, eventually, obviously, Ole Miss hired Kermit Davis. And then, like, more than a month went by before the women's basketball coach was hired, which obviously ended up being Coach O. So that meant everybody on the roster, I mean, it was fair game. And eventually, by the time that Coach O was hired – I think she had everybody for maybe a week, whatever, like whatever it was. It was not a long period at all. And then I'm not kidding, everybody but two players left. It was Mimi Reed and it was Sandrika Sessom. Uh, Mimi was a redshirt freshman at the time, I believe, and she was coming off a torn Achilles and she knew she was going to play. So she stuck around and Sandrika is from Bahalia, great kid you know, wanted to stick around for one more season at Ole Miss. So then she literally just had to, you know, get players and she brought players anywhere that she could. And I mean, from, from there on out, just, she put together a staff and it's, it's just hard, hard work. Uh, it was definitely a, a slow burn and a slow build because what she did at Jacksonville, they went to the tournament for the first time in program history. So she went from winning, 20 games or more three years in a row there to come to Ole Miss. And like, it was, it was tough. Like she was not accustomed to, to losing like that. And year two was the season where we didn't win an SEC game. And then year three was COVID. 
So, I mean, it was so, so many different things happening. And then eventually, like, you know, the transfer portal hits NIL. And, I mean, she's just a dynamite recruiter. And if you don't believe me, she got the first McDonald's All-American ever in Madison Scott from Washington, D.C. to sign with Ole Miss when Ole Miss didn't win an SEC game. I'm like, what else do you need to know? <laughs> yeah, how did how did so that that's what I was going to get into next is like obviously this almost more so than some of the other sports, particularly being basketball. You only have five players on the court. You got to get players. I mean, we always say you got to get dudes. Like you got to go get SEC caliber players. That's ultimately probably to some degree what cost Kermit Davis his job. From just from talking to the players or your sensor on the program, how do you sell that? How do you land a Madison Scott off a program that didn't win a game the year four? Like, what is it about her that makes her relate so well to players and get them to come to something when you don't really have a ton to sell? And in terms of success, like nothing to sell, honestly. Right. Well, I can tell you with Madison, Madison is a different kid. And for Madison, it was first of all, Madison could have gone literally anywhere that she wanted to in the country. And the sell for her was come to Ole Miss, like carve your own path and you're going to be like a legend. You're going to be a superhero here. So Madison, um, you know, basically went out on that limb and it's definitely worked out. Almost won the WNIT her first year NCAA tournament for the first time in 15 years last year. And now Madison's junior season here we are going to the Sweet 16 for the first time in 16 years. So, I mean, that that was kind of the selling point. And I remember being told, like, when Madison uh, took her official visit, I mean, it, it was a big deal. And, you know, I had support staff, people telling me, like, the visit went well. Madison cried. Like, she took pictures in an Ole Miss uniform, and it went well. And, and kind of the rest was history. So, uh, that was that was like the first big domino to fall in favor for Ole Miss and, and Coach O in the program. Take me through a couple of those some times through those first couple of years because they were really up against it, up against the eight ball. You know, they in particularly in basketball, it can get demoralizing when you're losing and you got to go play another game in three days and you're not competitive in most of these games. Just thinking back to calling games during those first two years, like how would you describe it in terms of the level of morale and how demoralizing that can be when it doesn't seem like there's really any end in sight in the moment? Right. Uh, well, you touched on it a moment ago, like the game that sticks out was that South Carolina game uh, four years ago, and Ole Miss set an NCAA record, not the way that you want to, and points scored and a half, two points scored, and they weren't early, by the way. I mean, it was like a minute left in the second quarter. Uh, other than last night, my phone was blowing up the most that night, like people checking in on, on me, seeing how I'm doing it, everything. Last night surpassed that, like 20 minutes after the game. I think I had over 50 text messages and phone calls and all that. But, I mean, basketball, it it is one of those things. If you don't win, I mean, it can definitely be a long season. And it does feel like time stops. And I mean, it's just kind of hard to describe. Like once you're in it, you're in it and you're getting a routine. The women's side is different than the men's. Like you play every Thursday and Sunday and like you get two weekends off and you just kind of you have that set schedule and you just kind of have to, you know, grin and bear it. And, uh, you know, this is my 12th season. Um, that I've been blessed to, to call the games for Ole Miss women's basketball. And, yeah, there there have been – before Coach O, there have been some seasons where 
we unfortunately we just had those seasons and it's just like all right we're just gonna have to make it through this and and head to the sec tournament and and just you know see what happens but i can tell you this season has flown by uh 25 26 wins whatever we have and I mean, like we went to the Bahamas and, and a couple other trips this year. So, I mean, trust me, when you win, yeah, it, it makes it easier and everybody has a smile on their face and it's a lot of fun. What's covering airtime like when the team that you covered scored two points and a half? How did you how did you maneuver that line? Man, it was uh, it was tough. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. It was it was very tough. And, you know, you just sit there and you're debating in your mind, like, what in the world am I going to say? Like how how can I possibly paint this in a positive light and, you know, try to make it as entertaining as possible. But man, that, that night was tough. And I mean, like, I'm not kidding. My phone was blowing up like friends, family, other broadcasters, just like seeing how I'm, I'm doing while at halftime while the game's going on. That was, that was a long night for sure. Yeah. Like, it's almost like when you're thinking about what you're going to ask post game or what you do during the halftime break, or it's like, did we just break down the one basket? How did I get, we got, so we got a lot of time to fill here. How, did, how does this work? Oh, uh, that's, that's remarkable how all of that's unfolded. You mentioned earlier, this is your 12th season calling Ole Miss basketball. You've seen some good years. You've seen some bad, you've seen the program kind of go up and down and kind of back down again. What has yo done that's different than other coaches, programs, people in charge, what has she done differently than the people that came before her? Ooh, um, well, I would say when I started, like, it, it's important to know, I had I had four head coaches my first three seasons. So I would say the main thing is stability. I mean, she walked in and immediately stability, but also she has her identity. She talks about it all the time, and it is the truth, defense. I mean, her identity is like, this is what we're about. This is what we're doing. If you don't play defense, you're not going to play here. So, I mean, just those those two things. And, I mean, again, like she, she has an infectious smile, personality. She has the ability to make everybody feel good, but also, like, she she coaches hard now. Like, she'll, she'll get on – players, you know, whoever, and, um, you know, nothing in a bad or vicious way or anything. And, and I mean, people respond to her in a positive manner just because of the way uh, that she is and just the respect that everybody has for her and the way that she treats people. You've, all those personality traits and the way she conducts herself that you just mentioned, did any of that fade at all when it got too bad during those first two years? Like, what was the post-game press conferences like, talking to her on radio, whatever the case may be? Like, I imagine it would be nearly impossible. I mean, how Mike gets mad after midweek wins when they're ranked seventh in the country sometimes. I've dealt with my fair share of that. What was she like during that time? Did it ever waver at all, or did she kind of keep the faith? No, I can I can tell you, like, she she is very much consistently, you know, been the, been the same, like, I, I I have never seen her like treat anybody uh, poorly or, or disrespect anybody like that. Is can it be frustrating? Absolutely. And I mean, it it did get to the point where you know you have a conversation with her, and you know I ask her like, "Yo, do you do you hate losing more than you like winning?" And looked at me dead in the eyes, and she's like, "Absolutely. Like I hate hate losing." And again, that's from coming from Jacksonville, where she built that program from scratch, you know, three 21 seasons in a row, and then coming to Ole Miss, and it's just like the total opposite, so foreign to what she had been 
accustomed to. So, I mean, but, but I can tell you, like, she is consistently been the same personality treats everybody the same like she is the same person from day one as she is right now she dropped a note in her post game at some point last night where she was like you know i got this job because i called old miss and was like hey what are y'all doing i can do this job and i'll do it cheap and you heard that story before that is remarkable if that in fact unfolded the way she described it yeah she's uh I'm telling you, she she's the best and she's got so many great stories. Um, but yeah, like for, for the coaching search, uh, I mean, again, like Ross was the athletic director at the time. And um, obviously he came from Western Kentucky and I know he really wanted uh, Michelle Clark Hurd. She played at Western Kentucky, was the head coach, was, was awesome at Western Kentucky. Uh, I think, I think uh, they basically went to her multiple times she said no. She's now the head coach at Cincinnati, by the way. Um, and then eventually, like, um, Ole Miss brought down the head coach at Syracuse at the time, uh, Quentin Hillsman, who just played in the national championship game. And, like, he's on campus at Ole Miss. And it's like, whoa. And um, he was the one that was like, all right, there's this, there's this coach at, at Jacksonville. Like, you guys need to go after her. And so I, I kind of think that was a big part of it too. And and um, like whoever from Ole Miss made the phone call, and and I, I remember Yo saying uh, five years ago, like when she got hired, Ole Miss called her, and she was like, "What took y'all so long? I've been I've been here the whole time." So uh, she's got so many good stories. Again, like I remember uh, around this time last year when we were in Waco for the NCAA tournament. Um, we're eating lunch and I walk in and uh, she goes, Graham, guess who my agent is? And I was like, I don't know, yo, like who, who's your agent? And uh, she said, Jimmy Sexton. And I said, what? And uh, she was like, yeah. And I said, how long has he been your agent? And she said, almost two weeks. <laughs> and, uh, she went, she went on to tell me this story. Uh, if I remember correctly, I think she was at a Christmas party at the at the Tui's house. And, you know, Yo's from the Bahamas. So college football wasn't on her radar at all. Sure. Um, and so at this Christmas party, she said, who is that guy over there with all these football coaches all around him? And so somebody told her, like, that's that's Jimmy Sexton. He's, you know, a very well-known agent, mainly in the college football side. So she goes over to him and says, you don't know me. I'm, you know, I'm Coach Yo. I'm the head coach at Ole Miss for women's basketball. And one day you're going to represent me. And around this time, a year ago, you know, she got she got a phone call out of the blue and it was Jimmy Sexton. It was like, I want to represent you now. That's unbelievable. I mean, that falls in line with that story she told last night. That's that takes some balls. Uh, figuratively, obviously, but just a bold, bold move. I mean, I, I was sitting there thinking last night, I was like, hell, if I were Ross, I'd just hire her on the spot. Obviously, the search is not going well. If she has, if she has the, the ballsiness to just call me and be like, hey, I do this, like, you know, I, let's, what do you, what took you guys so long? Um, I'd be like, all right, let, let's give this a shot. That's remarkable. So, this theme this year, you obviously knew coming off an NCAA tournament appearance last year, they're probably going to be pretty good. Was there a moment for you where like, all right, they could do something like this? Like, was there a moment where like, all right, they are like really, really good? Yeah, I would say pretty early on. Um, 
we went to the Bahamas, which was fun. Obviously, Coach O's from the Bahamas, and they rolled out the red carpet for us. Uh, so that was a fun trip. My first time. Highly recommend anybody going to the Bahamas if you haven't been. But anyway, in that tournament, we played Utah. And at the time, Utah, they were either top five or top ten, and they were averaging 100 points a game. And they they just played Oklahoma – who's either a four or five seed in the NCAA tournament. Oklahoma's really good. And Utah scored almost – they put up 128, 129 on Oklahoma, which, that, like, that's a lot wow. of points. And then, uh, obviously, that was our first game in the tournament. And, I, I mean, like, we, we nearly beat them. I mean, got, there was a terrible call at the end of the game that didn't go our way that put Utah at the free throw line. They made, they made two free throws with, like, a second left, and that's how Utah ended up winning the game. So, I mean, I knew per, right then and there, it's like, okay, this this team is very athletic, and we got a chance to be good. And we were picked preseason eighth, and I knew we were better than, than preseason eighth, especially after being uh, fourth a season ago. So, I mean, I knew back – Whatever that tournament was, I, I want to say it was around Thanksgiving. Uh, I knew this team had a chance to, you know, win a bunch of games, and and obviously here we are heading to the Sweet Sixteen. They're clearly a pretty mentally tough group um, as well, because one of the things I noticed when I was watching that game last night down the stretch is like, talk about not being a cakewalk. That place got into it. They had a long scoring drought in the fourth quarter. But there wasn't really much of like the, oh, there's the boneheaded turnover. I mean, in some ways, like Kihei Clark, Virginia style. I was like, okay, like they're they're melting yeah. down here. Things weren't necessarily going their way, but it didn't seem like there was a whole lot of self-induced errors in like the moment kind of, um, I would say, you know, taking hold of them. They seemed pretty calm throughout that process. What can you kind of speak to regarding just the mental makeup of this group? Well, one thing Yo has talked about a lot this season, and I totally agree with her. She she designed the schedule this season for for moments like this, for playing Utah on a neutral floor, a team that at the time was averaging 100 points a game. Um, by the way, Utah, I think they they scored I think 60 something that game. So I mean, Ole Miss the defense was there that night. Also playing at Oklahoma. Um, Oklahoma that day, they had about 5,000 people there. So, I mean, it, it, it's just she scheduled it extremely well. And just moments like that, playing at LSU, uh, playing at Tennessee, environments like that, it really does pay dividends moving forward. And going back to last night, I mean, here we are in a very similar situation, tie ball game late crowd is very much into it and you know this is a team that is that has been there before and Madison Scott was asked after the game uh if the LSU game if South Carolina if those games popped in her mind and, and I mean she was honest she said yeah like it they they definitely did but a, a six-year senior somebody like Maya Taylor she was the one that just kind of stepped up and said guys let's lock in you know, we can do this. And that leadership from Maya Taylor and Coach O and her staff, I mean, they, they, they were able to survive that hurricane, which felt like forever last night when Stanford went on that run and Ole Miss got the stops and made clutch free throws late to win it. 
I mean, they went over five minutes without a point. You had the Angel Baker jumper with like 540, 530 mark. And I don't think they had another point until they had the free throws to go ahead 51-49 with about 20 seconds left. Like the whole thing really kind of hinged upon that defensive mentality that you're talking about. As far as the game last night and how it happened, like what did they do to Stanford that frustrated them so bad? I read a bunch of stuff this morning regarding contested shots, particularly contested paint shots. In your mind, what did they do to pull that off strategy-wise? It's just the defense. Um, again, if if you've never seen Ole Miss play, the def the defense is real. It's man to man ninety five percent of the time. Very rarely does Yo want to play zone. Um, it's just physical, and if if you don't go up against a team that plays as physical as Ole Miss does, like you're just you're just not gonna be used to it. It's just very hard to describe. And I thought Coach Yo made a very good point. Um, after the game, like the the games out here on the West Coast, they're on so late back home that like nobody really stays up to watch the games. I don't care. They're doing NBA. football too. Like you don't really yeah, know yeah, what the Pac-12 yeah. teams yeah. are until late. Right, yeah, yeah, that's NBA football, whatever. So I mean, she said the team they respected Stanford. Obviously, they won the national championship two years ago, but just a different animal than when you're used to playing South Carolina, LSU, people that you're familiar with like that. So that that aspect of it, too, just played a little bit loose, definitely wasn't intimidated because out here, Stanford does have that intimidation factor for people on the West Coast and, and people in the Pac-12 and things like that. What did you notice from Stanford's coach last night? She seemed shocked. Like they, she kind of alluded to some quotes like lack of experience in the backcourt, like she gave some tea leaves that she might sense they'd have a struggle with Ole Miss. Not that they were going to cakewalk over them in the first place, but from her piece of the presser, what did you what did you take away from that? Well, first of all, she's a legend. I mean, she's, she's yeah. been here for almost four decades, which is incredible to think about. But I mean, for her, like, like this was my first time to see her in, in person. She was pretty uh, stoic. She sits down a lot. Yo, never, ever, ever sits down on the bench. Uh, Stanford's coach, uh, Tara, she kind of, she sits down a lot, pretty stoic, um, you know, doesn't really yell or scream or anything like that. But I mean, I could, you could get a sense like she, she was, um, you know, aware of the Ole Miss defense. It's one thing to watch it on film, but when, when you're, when you're there in person, Ole Miss, Ole Miss has length, not a lot of height, but you have somebody like Snowda Collins, whose wingspan is six, five, you know, things like that make a difference. So, I mean, you could get a sense that she was, as the game went on, I mean, the, the defense was was no joke. And Stanford, they never had the lead for a single second last night. Yeah, it seemed like they had trouble kind of getting into what they wanted to do because you bring that up, like Ole Miss's rebounding numbers don't really blow you away. Their overall defensive numbers are pretty good in terms of like points per game. South Carolina is ridiculous. I think they're like seven points and Ole Miss is or seven points lower at 50 points a game. Ole Miss is like 57. But Ole Miss actually has a better uh, in terms of perimeter jump shot and three-point shooting percentage-wise actually better than um, South Carolina, which would kind of speak to the length that you're talking about, right? It's not necessarily height. Like it's just length that they bother people on the perimeter, which is pretty dangerous and pretty tough to deal with, particularly in those March games where things kind of slow down and it gets physical. Like, it seems like it's a team that's kind of built for postseason basketball. You guys are out there on the West Coast. You're about to go figure out um, who the opponent's going to be. How far can this go in your mind? Ooh, good question. Um, 
I would say everybody left in in the in the uh, Seattle region of the bracket pretty similar to the style that Ole Miss plays, meaning like defense first. The only outlier is Iowa. Um, Ole Miss is awaiting the winner of Texas, Louisville. Um, and then whoever wins that Sweet 16 matchup more than likely is going to play Iowa. Iowa is led by offense. If you've never seen them play, they have a girl named Caitlin Clark, McDonald's All-American. She's from Iowa. She is probably going to be the national player of the year. She's unbelievable. She's essentially very similar to Steph Curry. She can shoot it from 25, 30 feet, whatever. So the good news is all the teams are pretty much similar, built around defense, Texas, Louisville, uh, things like that. Tennessee is also in the Seattle region. Uh, so, again, it's really – you're looking at Iowa, who is – built around offense, but I mean, man, this, this all comes down to matchups, 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 matchups. And I haven't really looked uh, at Texas or Louisville yet to see how much size they have, you know, could that be a factor? I don't, I, I mean, I have no idea, but I'm curious to see how it shakes out. I know, uh, I know the coaches are definitely ready to figure out if Ole Miss is going to play Texas or Louisville. You talked, we talked about yo a lot. Did you get the sense last night the players realized what they had just pulled off and accomplished? What was kind of their demeanor after? I mean, obviously, I know they're excited, but was it more like, hey, not done yet type of thing? Or did you kind of sense how significant, like they understood the significance of what they just pulled off? Oh, they knew, I would say they knew it uh, pretty quickly. But I will say, you know, this, they're, they're definitely hungry. And, you know, it's not like, all right, we, we won, we're going to the Sweet 16. Let's just be happy with that. I know they're hungry. I know they definitely uh, want more. And you're looking at somebody like Maya Taylor. Everybody kept talking about Maya Taylor last night uh, and for a big reason. I think she only had two points. The two points she had was a big bucket late, by the way. But it's just her senior leadership and her experience. She played most of the fourth quarter with four fouls, by the way. But, man, she stepped up in a major way and, and definitely showed that leadership. I mean, this is somebody five years at Mississippi state uh, red shirt. And when they went to the final four was a red shirt freshman uh, when state went to the elite eight and that experience is definitely helping Ole Miss right now. What do you get since yo over, I mean, opinions are brought a bad word for it, but kind of opinion of being at Ole Miss and at Oxford, because you had the Georgia thing kind of come up last year and she elects ultimately, oh, it seemed like it's like the uh, 12th hour there to stay at Ole Miss. What's kind of the sense that you think she has regarding what she's built here and how much that means to her? Because she's going to start coming up for other jobs. I don't think uh, last year was a one-off. I, I think that will probably happen again. Right. Um uh... Well, first of all, let me say, like, I never sit down with Yo and, like, ask Yeah, him, sure. No, no, yeah, I'm just asking yeah, you to, to, yeah. to your right. best guess. Right. Yeah, um, I can tell you, and, I mean, she she has told me, like, she and her family, they're they're extremely happy in Oxford um, and Ole Miss. Her husband, Kelly, who is awesome, by the way, like, he works for the university. They have two daughters, um, age 10 and 5. Yasmin and Yuri. So, I mean, I know they're very happy. Her her parents are in Oxford um, a decent amount. So, I mean, I, I definitely think uh, that she's happy. And, and I know that she loves competing in the SEC. Um, you know, again, I, I, like I hope she's at Ole Miss however long she wants to be at Ole Miss. I, I kind of think 
um, you know, some of that, some of the Georgia stuff is was blown out of proportion um, a little bit. That's just my opinion. I mean, again, I, I haven't asked her or mentioned Georgia and that whole situation to her at all. But um, again, like her agent is Jimmy Sexton. He's the best in the business. And I, I kind of think that was, a, that was a big part of it. Um, but I mean, again, the bottom line is I, I know she's definitely happy. Uh, you know, she'll, she'll get, she's going to definitely hit some incentives in her contract and everything. And, and again, like, I hope she's here however long she wants to be here. And, and again, like, do you look at the sport of women's basketball and a lot of these head coaches, most of them really stick in one spot for a long time. I mean, look at, look at UConn, Stanford, Dawn Staley is approaching 20 years now at South Carolina. She built that program to what it is. So, I mean, it just, it just depends on what yo wants. Like, do you want to stay in the SEC and literally build the Ole Miss program and, and, you know, the sky's the limit. I mean, her, her saying is no ceilings. And I mean, she literally has that at Ole Miss. So, um, I, I mean, again, like I, I hope she's here however long she wants to be here. And, and, and I'm, I'm happy that we got her right now and that we're heading to the sweet 16. It's a great point you make. Like the rest of the blue buds in the sport are there because of the coach. Like it's not necessarily, or, or our blue buds because of the coach. Like it's not necessarily like an institution where you run through four or five coaches, like Kentucky basketball or something like that. Like a lot of them, obviously there are exceptions like Tennessee, but that was largely because the summit, like a lot of them are what they are because of who's currently on the sideline. So it's fascinating to think about. Last thing I had for you is just like, when did this set in for you? You've watched the whole rise and all that last night happens. I know it's a crazy, probably 10, 12 hours. Like, like I know sometimes when you get the occasional, like, you know, significant nationally sporting event that you're covered, there's kind of like a holy shit moment. You're like, oh, wow, I, that was, that did happen. And I was in fact there. Like, if you had that moment yet, or is it all kind of setting in? Um, I'll tell you this, man, last night was, was the biggest blur. Like <laughs> it, it really, really was like when I say, uh, everybody in an Ole Miss uniform or Ole Miss gear was losing their minds. And then like everybody else was like for Stanford, it was, it was the weird feeling. Cause it's, you got 7,500 people just like in shock and disbelief. They're all leaving super awkwardly and quietly. And then you have Ole Miss like losing its mind, uh, on the floor. And, uh, like I, I was interviewing assistant coach Jada Williams after the game. And like, she was so emotional. I mean, so emotional in a good way, just tears of joy. And, uh, like I, I could tell that, you know, she wanted to go celebrate with the team. And I said, just go, like go celebrate with the team. She said, all right, bye. And <laughs> drops her headset down, like turns around and then jumps into the arms of one of the assistant coaches. And uh, like I was interviewing Ayana Thompson, the freshman, uh, while I'm talking to her, like the whole team is at midcourt taking a picture. Like she gets yanked away like mid-sentence while I'm talking to her. They take the picture and then it, I, I, like it's just it's just utter chaos in the best way possible is how I can describe it. Like Everybody was incredibly happy. Uh, Post game meal, like we had, we had fried chicken sandwiches and hamburgers. Uh, life was good. Uh, I think Stanford went first media wise, and then Ole Miss went. So we were there for a while after the game ended, and then everybody just kind of crammed into one bus uh, after the game. Like you know the brackets that you see, yeah. Like you 
and you would like destiny salary uh try to carry that thing on the bus like try to cram it on the bus it's enormous by the way it's like when a when a golfer wins like a like a big check whatever but it's like it's like twice the size of that it's enormous so i was getting a kick out of watching her try to cram it on the bus couldn't get it on and then uh she like we put it on underneath the bus and you know i was just thinking how are we going to get that thing on the airplane <laughs> and she was like we'll figure it out so like everybody everybody was in the best mood possible get back to the hotel and again it's just you know total happiness she got the old miss band here cheerleaders uh everybody pretty much everybody was here i know keith carter and alan green like they caught a red eye back home so like they had to they had to hustle to the airport uh before they made it back home but like last night was absolutely incredible and again it's a weird feeling because by the time you get to the hotel you know it's midnight back in oxford or in the central time zone so it's like i want i want to talk to my family and friends and everybody but i can't really do that I, you know, I don't want to wake anybody up. So it was, it was a night that I will definitely never, ever forget. That's awesome, man. I really appreciate the time. I admired the work you do. A lot of announcer complaints last night on the ESPN broadcast. So my solution to that would be just throw it on mute and throw on you guys' broadcast if you can get yeah. that to sync up okay. But I uh, I really appreciate the time, man. Um, I really thank you for doing this. It's been a fun story that's generated a lot of joy for people, particularly around here. Safe travels to you guys getting to Seattle, and hopefully there's a couple more games for you to call it in the next couple of weeks. Let's hope so. Enjoyed it. Thank you. All right, that'll do it for our show today. Appreciate Graham's time. I learned a lot. I'm looking forward to watching the Rebels on Friday in Seattle. Um, we will have Colin Brister on, and I may do a little solo football stuff leading into that on Thursday show. So one more pod for you this week. Thanks for listening, as always, and hope you're having a great week.